Let's turn our Bibles once more to Isaiah 52. Again, I mentioned last time we're going to really take the next couple of years and wander our way through these wonderful verses in Isaiah 53. Uh, but we're going to read from the verse number 13 of 52 to begin with today. So Isaiah 52, verse number 13, reading down into Isaiah chapter 53. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many as were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations, the kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who hath believed or report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him. Not. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for our souls this morning. I said, it is my intention really just to turn these verses around in our minds, helping us to consider Christ afresh as we come to the table over these next number of months. We left verse number one last month, recognizing the fact that the prophet's lament indicates that his report is generally met with rejection. It is a lamentable uh, opening to the chapter, Who hath believed or report? The report is something that is heard. It is an announcement made back in chapter 52 in the verse number 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation. That's the report. We know that Romans chapter 10 makes it clear that report is the gospel. And yet the gospel is generally met with rejection. We know that today, don't we? We see it all around us. People are confronted with the gospel and they choose to reject the gospel. Even those who are raised in the gospel, brought up through the gospel, yet they come to reject the word of the Lord. Rejection is absolutely the theme of this opening verse. We know that again because of his interpretation in the New Testament. Our Lord himself, when he indicates the miracles done by himself in John chapter 12, it says this, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report. So clearly, there is the understanding in the Gospels that the rejection of Christ by the Jews fulfills this word, who hath believed or report. Similarly, Paul, in Romans chapter 10, as he talks about the beautiful feet from chapter 52 of Isaiah, those bringing glad tidings, he then says, but they have not all obeyed the Gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed or report. Romans chapter 10, verse 16. And so we see here a report that is met by rejection. 
And there are some important truths that arise out of this text in light of that New Testament interpretation. If this opening question in verse 53 indicates rejection of the gospel, then there are some things that ought to come to our mind. First of all, we should see again that the subject of this report is Christ's person and work. Isn't it? The whole chapter is about Christ and His person and in His work as our sacrifice of atonement, as the suffering servant of Jehovah. And if the report is about Christ, then that report is to be believed. Therefore, by inference, we see that Christ must be the object of our faith. The report must be believed. The report about Christ Therefore, we see in this chapter the very simple truth that Christ must be the object of our faith, Christ and Christ only. Christ only. Christ totally. The only ground of our faith and of our assurance. We also see, though, in, this, uh, in light of this inference, we see that the summons, the command of the report is faith. Who hath believed or report? Indicating to us again that faith is the duty of, of the hearer. Christ, the object of our faith, faith, the responsibility of the hearer. These things come in light of this question, who hath believed or report? And these are the very concepts that are before you this very moment at this table. What is the object of your faith? Or should I say, who is the object of your faith? It's also come before you right now, have you obeyed the command? You see, Christ is the focus of the elements here. We just sang the hymn, we come to remember him. We come to remember him as he is appointed. He's the focus of the elements on the table. Your eyes are being drawn to Christ. And the Lord himself is saying to you again, put your trust in me and in what I have done on your behalf. But the elements come to you with a command. You see, we're seeing these things coming together. Christ, the object of faith, and faith, the command of the gospel. And the elements come with a command. Take, eat, take, and drink. Believe the gospel today. And so the question is, have you obeyed the commands so that Christ is the sole object of your faith? Before you take the bread and take the cup again, you've got to answer that question in the affirmative. If you can't answer that question, yes, then I encourage you, please, desist from taking the elements. You must be able to say, yes, Christ is the sole object of my confidence, of my assurance of being accepted by God, Christ and Christ alone. I have obeyed the gospel command. I believe the gospel, and I am saved by grace. I'm not suggesting that you don't have doubts or struggles with assurance. That's not the point. But you can say evangelically and genuinely and sincerely, yes, I do believe the gospel. I've trusted in Christ. And I trust in Christ today. And so as we turn this around in our minds, and those things do come to us by way of inference from this particular question, I would really ask you now to think about them in some more detail. And let's begin with this thought that Christ is the object of our faith so often the language of the gospel is, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the language of Isaiah chapter 53, it is believe or report. Or report. The report of the prophets. 
the report of the whole Bible, the report of the evangelists and the gospel, the consistent report that Christ is the Savior of sinners. And those who hear that report, they must believe in the report, but not just believe in the facts about Christ, but come to put their trust in the mediator, in the Messiah, in the suffering servant of Jehovah. You see, in Isaiah, we see again the reminder that Christ is the only appropriate Savior. No angel can save your soul. No man can save your soul. Only the God-man can reconcile God to man. And this suffering servant of Jehovah is the only appropriate Savior. We know he's man, verse number 2. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, a root out of a dry ground. We know he's man, verse number 14 of chapter 52. His form is marred more than the sons of men. We see his humanity in his sufferings here. He is wounded. He is bruised. We understand clearly the humanity of Christ in this portion. But in the context, we also see inferences regarding his deity. Turn back to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40 in the verse number 3. Isaiah 40, of course, is the chapter announcing the consolation of Israel, which Simeon and Anna and those in the temple are looking for. They're looking for the consolation of Israel. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith the Lord. And then it refers to John the Baptist in verse number 3. He's the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. Now, we do not need to doubt. We know these words are fulfilled in John the Baptist. The gospel makes that clear. He is the one who is preparing the way of the Lord. You see that? He's preparing the way for Jehovah to come and walk in the midst of his people. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Who is he preparing the way for? Well, he said, it's the Lord. But who is the Lord? It is Jesus. It is the word that is made flesh and dwelt among us. It is Christ himself who comes. And John the Baptist says, here's the Lamb of God. But he's the Lord. The Lord is the Lamb. Jehovah is the Lamb. And the one who's going to suffer and be bruised in Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, is indeed the very Lord God, the one who created all things by the word of his power. This is the very Lord God. He is God and man. He is therefore the only appropriate Savior. He is also, we may say, the only appointed servant of Jehovah. In the fullest sense, Isaiah 52, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. The servant of Isaiah 52 is the elect of God, who is the same servant referred to in Isaiah 52 and 53. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. And so you're seeing this appropriate Savior is the appointed servant of Jehovah. Who else would you trust? In whom would you put your confidence? There is none that has the status of this man. There is none that has the status of this Savior. None ever could. God and man in one person, appointed by the Father to be the only Redeemer of God's elect. Please note, the only Redeemer of God's elect. And if your confidence is anywhere else, it's in the wrong place. And if your confidence is not only in this Redeemer, then you have doubts about the sufficiency of this Redeemer. But he is the full 
sufficient Redeemer of God's elect. He's the appropriate Savior, the only appointed servant, and He is the only accepted sacrifice. We know again from this chapter of Isaiah 53, it all points to a sacrifice. He Himself is sinless. He suffers not for His own sins, but for the sins of others. Yet He is stricken smitten of God and afflicted. But verse 5, for our transgressions, not for his own, for our iniquities, not his. And so we find in this portion of Scripture the sinlessness of Christ's sacrifice. And yet we see its sufficiency as a sacrifice that is satisfactory to the wrath and justice of God. He shall indeed find the pleasure of the Lord prospering in his hand, verse number 10. He is the successful Savior. He shall prolong his days. His sacrifice is accepted. The risen Christ paid the price for our sins. You know these things very, very well. All I'm doing right now is asking you the question, is Christ the sole and total object of your faith? It's a simple question. It demands a simple answer. No equivocation. You either say, yes, I trust in Christ alone, or no, I don't. Then there may be a spectrum of denials, but please make sure it is your sole confidence today, Christ and Christ alone. We should also note, though, that as Christ is the object of our faith, so we see also that faith is the duty of the hearer here. Again, back in Isaiah 53, who hath believed or report? The prophet laments unbelief because there is the expectation that the report that he presents is to be believed. The report comes with a command and with a summons. It's presented to people, not as mere facts, but as facts to be believed in and as a person to be trusted. You see that in the inference here? You see, somebody in a a, a state of unbelief could read about Jesus Christ. They could read facts about Jesus Christ. And they may say, here is the gospel. And in a sense, the gospel is the facts regarding Christ. But the gospel presented in the Bible is not simply presenting facts. It is presenting facts with an obligation attached. Presenting the gospel with a a summons, with a command. The gospel comes with a duty attached. Words like believe come in the command, in the imperative form, receiving Christ, coming to Christ. They are all brought in the imperative, in the command form. The gospel must be presented with duty attached. Not that we earn God's favor, but that we are obligated, having heard the gospel, to do something with the gospel. Let me show you just two quick examples. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You see, this portion of Scripture in Isaiah 53, who hath believed or report is, I believe, a very important text when it comes to what we know as the free offer of the gospel. That when the gospel is presented, it's presented to people with an obligation to either reject it or believe it. 
regardless of their status in terms of election. And so here we, we quite gladly will say that I offer the gospel to all, and all must believe what they hear. They're obligated to respond. And so you get to a Second Corinthians chapter 6, and the previous chapter has been highlighting the gospel of reconciliation. That God's in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And the, the, the gospel preachers, they are those who are beseeching souls. Verse number 20, beseeching souls, praying them in Christ that be ye reconciled to God. That's the urging of the gospel preacher. And so in verse number 1 of chapter 6, the narrative continues. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. Now the grace of God there is not referring to the grace whereby we are saved. It's referring to the message of God's grace. Don't receive the message in an empty fashion without fruit. Receive it in such a way that you believe it and are saved. And so verse 2, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Therefore receive not the grace of God in vain. Who hath believed or report? It comes as a lament because there is the understanding that when the report is presented, sinners ought to believe. And there is a lament when they refuse to believe the gospel. One other example, Hebrews chapter 2. As the writer in Hebrews presents the exalted Christ and the glory of Christ, chapter 2, verse 1 begins this way, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Verse 3, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. There's a salvation presented to you. And there is the potential that you hear the gospel and neglect the gospel. And so there is an important inference in all of this. Christ is the object of our faith. Faith is the duty, the obligation of the hearer. These things come clearly in the Word of God. The gospel is presented, and you ought to believe it. Therefore, we can say that as faith is commanded, so it is the will of God for you to believe. I can say to all of you here today, it is the revealed will of God that you hear the gospel and believe the gospel. And you're going to see that in a very tangible way very soon. These elements are going to be passed around. And the words are going to come to you, take, eat, and take, drink. The imperatives of the gospel are presented in visual form. And for some of you, you know that you cannot take and eat because you have not taken Christ. You've heard the gospel, but you have not received the gospel to yourself. God has revealed his word. He's shown us the gospel. The purpose of the gospel is that you may believe that Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life through his name. Faith is not a work of merit. By faith, we don't earn God's salvation. God has earned salvation for us in Christ Jesus. We believe by the power of God alone. And yet faith is a necessary action of man. 
And when we believe we are doing the will of God, when you take Christ, you're doing what God demands of you today in this place. And so I asked the question to start. Is Christ the sole and total object of your faith? Have you obeyed the gospel summons by trusting in Christ alone? Are you a believer here today? And they say, Pastor, this table is for the Lord's people. Exactly. That's the point. And so we come here. It is a fresh opportunity to make sure that you have trusted in Christ. And if you have not, no better time, no better place than as Christ is presented in these elements that you say, I need a Savior and there is none other. He is my Savior. I take him to mind today. And if you find yourself saying, I did that a long time ago and I still believe, then you can say very simply, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you for my heart to believe the gospel. Thank you I'm kept by the power of God all these years that I came by your grace to trust in Christ and I'm still trusting in Christ today. Glory to God, hallelujah. That is the joy of the saints of God. What a wonderful thing it is to have heard the report and to believe the report. The gospel comes with this compulsion to our souls today.